Nobody. Um, oh. oh, dear God. I don't think our guest has seen both. I, I have not, but you guys go nuts. Oh, you should, you definitely, should definitely see it. It is it's incredibly long, but also incredibly incredible. Right. It, it it's, is a, just... it's a Bollywood movie. It's, oh, my God. It's like two hours and 40 minutes long, but at any moment, you're five minutes away from something awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what you're into. But you don't know five minutes in what direction. No, it doesn't oh, matter. No, you don't. It really doesn't yeah. matter. If you're into dancing, this movie's for you. Oh, yeah. If you're into action scenes, this movie's for you. If you're into crazy musical scenes, this movie's for you. Uh, I mean, it's got literally everything. Yeah, it's got action, comedy. It's, yeah. it's a heart-wrenching tale. It's 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 just got everything. Yes. Something yes, for does. everyone. <laughs> All right. Are we ready, guys? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, as always, Dennis, and I am joined by my two co-hosts every week. I can't get rid of them. I hate them so, so much. But they are here. Colin and Craig, how are you both? Oh yeah, good luck getting rid of me. You go screw, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, I mean now, I, now I, I was in this before because I enjoyed doing this, but now I'm just gonna keep doing this out of spite. Out of spite. Yeah, <laughs> Lost tusk to tusk for as long as you can take it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, this is <laughs> this is our last part of our uh, sci-fi block, um, which means that it's gonna be another guest episode. And joining us this week is our guest Matt. Hello, Hello, Matt. Hello, thank you guys for having me. All right, and Matt brought this amazing uh, sci-fi movie to us, uh, Man from Earth. What a movie. I mean, <laughs> this is, uh, uh, we were kind of talking about this off mic uh, earlier. This is one of those movies that's like uh, kind of more of the core of what this podcast is about. It's like, I mean, it's titled, I Want You to Watch This. This is an obscure movie that we want you to watch. And so thank you so much for bringing this to us, Matt. And uh, I'm going to pass it off to you to introduce this film and kind of go over a synopsis. Yeah, um... First of all, I'm really glad. I wasn't sure that this that would be the reaction this would get. This is not a movie for everybody, necessarily. Um, so let me go over the basic plot of, of the movie, and then I'll, I'll go a little bit into what I understand about how the movie got made. T- to be honest, I, I don't even remember where I heard of this thing, but it is a very obscure movie. Uh, the basics of it are there is a professor named John Oldman who is... Uh, leaving his job at a school they don't say exactly where but it looks pretty clear to me be somewhere in northern california um there's a goodbye party no he doesn't really give any explanation as to why he's leaving he's just quitting he's moving on somewhere else his friends from the university uh various people is a biologist an anthropologist an archaeologist art historian they all kind of follow him back to his cabin in the woods somewhere you know northern california and they have sort of an impromptu goodbye party, you know, just saying goodbye to this man who was a good friend of theirs. And it's really nice kind of pleasant interaction where they're, they're up there at the cabin and drinking a little bit and just kind of talking the way that academics talk. You know, everybody's very friendly and very polite, but also very overeducated. And at one point, it, they, they keep teasing him about why it is he's leaving. You know, why, why does he have to leave? He's, he hasn't been there that long. And they also tease him a little bit about how he you know, still looks so young. He looks as young as the day when he got hired and everybody else seems to be getting older. And then he, he gets a little silent. He gets a little awkward. And he decides he's going to go ahead and tell them. And he's going to tell them, tell them what? And he confesses to them. All right, at first he tries to hide it in the guise of a, a story that he's telling. That maybe I'm just going to write a book. But clearly it's more than that. And he tells them that the reason he's moving on is because people have started to notice and talk about the fact that he's not getting any older. And that whenever he notices people don't notice that um, he's not getting older, he has to move on because he's immortal. 
He was born 14,000 years ago. He is essentially a Cro-Magnon caveman, and he has been living a life, one life this entire time, moving from place to place, town to town, setting up new identities everywhere he goes so that people don't realize what's going on with him. And then all these people, you know, the, the biologists, the anthropologists, the, the artists, they, and eventually they bring in a, a psychiatrist or, to talk to him, kind of just play around with this idea, challenging him on, on what this means, how it could be true, what the experience is like for a person who is that old. And from the beginning, I think the, the crux of the movie and basically the conflict of it is they set up the fact that you can't, he can't prove what he's saying. And right off the bat, he says, I can't prove any of this to you. And they rather quickly come to the conclusion that they can't absolutely scientifically disprove it. All they can do is kind of kick the idea around and try to decide if they believe him or not. Um, and eventually it gets to, you know, a, a, a conclusion. Um, they, they, I don't know if I should go into... No, you can completely okay. go through all the um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish they hadn't. I kind of wish they had left it more ambiguous at the end. I thought it would have been a better movie. But in the end, they do kind of... There's this final reveal that proves that, yeah, what he is in fact telling the truth. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that happens, you know, there's a, a confrontation in which he kind of draws back from the story and tells everybody, "Okay, all right, it's just a it's just a joke. Um, I made it all up. I'm just trying to trying to play around with you." Everybody gets mad at him. They forgive him eventually, and just as everybody leaves, um, there's a reveal about the psychiatrist actually being his son, and he he essentially is able to prove to the psychiatrist that. He is 14,000 years old, and right by basically confronted with the news of this, the psychiatrist, who's a very old man, uh, has a heart attack and dies. And then you see uh, John and, and um, his girlfriend, Sandra, basically drive off to start a new life. Um, not to get into criticism, right? I, I love this movie, but I do think it would have been better off if they'd left it ambiguous rather than... You know, if they left you thinking, "Gosh, is he telling the truth or not?" rather than settle it, but I agree, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, but the the movie. This is what I love. Uh, what I love about this movie is that it, it's. I think it is a legitimate science fiction movie. I think it has a science fiction feel to it, and all it is is people sitting around talking. Yep, that's all that's in the movie. And yet, the first time I watch it, and pretty much every other time I watch it, it gets into your head. I you, you really kind of, at least I wrap my head around this subject and what the implications are and what would it be like <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> to to live that life and be this person um and it's not per like i, I the this the conversation there's a long period about that he's jesus i i really didn't like that i think the movie would have been better off with just leaving jesus alone yeah. but um <laughs> but apart you know if you if you forget about kind of the you know, we're just going to needle at Christianity because we're all educated academics and that's what we do. Right. Uh, which is a perfectly reasonable impulse in my p particular political persuasion, but I, I think it detracted from the story a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree that it was it was one of those things when it was happening, it was like, oh, I see this from a mile away. Yeah. yeah. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, why are you doing this? It, like, it would have been better off. Be... Yeah. Yeah, but then I was thinking about it and like, it's one of those things where like, 
Yeah, like, I think it was, like, poorly executed, and, like, it was, like, really ham-fisted because it's, like, and I'm revealed as being Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, but at the same time, this movie is nothing but allegory for yeah. being human and, yeah. and, and the, the, the history of, of humanity. And, and so when you through, view it through that lens, it's almost as if, how could they not? address yeah. that and how could they not make him jesus in order to tie this all together and the allegory yeah. really fucking slam you in the face well, or at the very least like get how could you address a fourteen thousand year old man without addressing you know his views or his experience with either jesus or muhammad or or right. one of these religions that pops up and takes over the world but before before we get i mean so that, that's one reason I love it. The second is they, they make him imperfect. Um, Cullen has unfortunately had experience with this. Uh, as, as, a, as a young man, I was a fan of the TV show Highlander. Not, and, not as much the movies, the but TV the show. Highlander TV show. Yeah, and, and I, I would like to publicly apologize to Cullen <laughs> for everything he had to endure based on the fact that his older brother was a fan of the TV show Highlander because it was not pleasant for Cullen. But I think when you to, to contrast this version of an immortal with Highlander, with this guy who I love, his, all the weaknesses he confesses to about not knowing things and not being perfect and just being old, uh, I think is so much more realistic. So that those are that's kind of why I love the movie. The other thing, this so my understanding of how this got made. This was written by a guy named Jerome Bixby, who was a I think well regarded but not terribly well known writer for Star Trek and The Twilight Zone back right. in the '60s and '70s. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You know, this is the first time that I've seen a movie where it's uh, instead of like the director, like usually it's like John Carpenter's the whatever. You know, yeah. it's usually like the director that's like claiming ownership of it. This is the writer that's claiming yeah. ownership of the movie, and that's and, very interesting. And the reason for that is uh, this was essentially a passion project. My understanding is oh. Jerome Bixby had been working on this his entire life, well, for a long time, and he basically finished it on his deathbed. Oh wow! And his son. Um, using whatever was left of the estate, or, or I don't know how he did it, but his son basically had this movie made, not with any intention of it being a blockbuster, not with any intention of it being uh, profitable, but just as a memorial to his father, mm. that this was his father's passion project, and he wanted to get it made, which is probably why almost the entire cast are people you recognize from Star Trek. Do you think they um, work pro bono? I bet they certainly, I, I don't, I doubt they work, I don't know, but they, I, I certainly think they got paid very little, if anything, for this. But it's a very low budget, like, if you spent more money on this movie, it would have made it worse. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah I agree. Well, well, to to some extent. I have another uh, fact about this movie that kind of pays into that, to the passion project nature of it, is that this entire movie was shot on two Panasonic DVX 100 camcorders whoa the movie was shot on camcorders <laughs> and that's why anytime they're outside it's adr mm, or like yeah. anytime like right. and in like super noticeable adr yeah um but <clears throat> i gotta say that that makes it more because one of the things I, I wrote all over the place in my notes on this was the lighting i, I cullen is far more professional in this than i am but i was very impressed with the lighting i thought they really captured the mood and kind of it seemed like a realistic cabin in a sunset and the fact that they were using shitty cameras. And I feel like yeah, it, it all plays into the aesthetic of this movie of how it is. It's very intimate. It's very like down to earth. <laughs> and yeah. and it yeah, and it is very like as far as a sci-fi movie goes, this is probably one of, if not the most grounded sci-fi movie I've yeah. ever seen. Right. 
uh, in terms of like, no, we don't necessarily need to go like into space. We don't necessarily need to go like into like even like flashbacks. Yeah, there's no it's, flashbacks it's of him just, as a caveman. Right? Yeah, it's all just like academic discussion of. First of all, like, what if this happened? Yeah. And then after he's like reveals to them, like, no, like this is me. Then like, well, then what are the implications of that? Yeah. How does that like right. affect you as a human being? Like, what does that change and what does that make you as a human being? And um, and one of the things that I really loved is like that constant question of separating what it is to be a human versus like what human history is. Yeah. And how he's like, well. It, it constantly goes back to them being like, oh, well, you could find any of this in, an, in a textbook. You could find any yeah. of this in a history book. And he's like, well, yeah, that's because I lived through this. We didn't have language when I was like, yeah. you know, we didn't have the language <laughs> when I first was born and when I was first coming up. And so I wasn't able to understand, you know, the Until we heliocentric, the you yeah. know, nature of our galaxy or like, you know, like right. to. I, I wasn't defined <laughs> as Cro-Magnon until people named it Cro-Magnon. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's one of the things I love about it is, is, is he's not claiming to be a genius. No. He's just like he he's just a guy. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like even with the uh, like, you know, he has multiple degrees, but he's not he's, like he's never comes off as like this, like genius, because it's like, sure, you might have learned about all this stuff. But he's like, oh, yeah, I took biology in like 1843 in England. Yeah. Like so like, yeah, my my I have like a bi biology degree from Oxford from like the 1800s. So, you know, it's it's a little out of date. Right. And, <laughs> and he, like, he like refers to like other smart people that he's come across, like the Buddha, you know, is probably like the, the smartest person that he's come across throughout his 14,000 years of existence. But uh, real quick, I just want to touch on something that you brought up, which is very interesting. This movie would suck if it did have flashbacks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Imagine, oh, it would be terrible. Oh, no, it would imagine, be like, horrible. The, the reenactment actors. If they oh had that god! It would be like people from like Rescue Nine One One, like <laughs> dressing up in like rags and shit. Like, oh, <laughs> or, or like any, like honestly, if you, except for maybe maybe they needed better cameras, but if you spent more money on this movie. It would make it worse. Yeah, yeah. No, like anything you could think of to do, special like anything, would just make it. Because the fact that you don't have flashbacks, the entire time, at least I was, I was, the first time I watched it, I really never settled on whether I believed him or not. Yeah, right. Um, it's a thought puzzle. Is yeah. the whole movie? It's like a it's like a philosophy one hundred and one movie that you would see, you know. And it's but it's great. It's excellent. And uh, like I keep on when I was watching this, it was like, what does this remind me of? This reminds me of something waking life that like it does kind of you know because it that's it's another philosophy piece where it's just conversation it's just jumping from conversation to conversation and when uh bobo wilford brimley gets introduced into this movie <laughs> uh it, that's when i really felt it because it goes from like he's having like a serious conversation with all these people soul patch goes into the other room to phone someone up soul patch is what what was his professorship he was like he a, was, he was a archaeologist just like um he was in the same department as as Dan. Dan. Yeah, but they made him like like you meet this guy in colleges. He's like the older professor who really wants to be like young right. and cool. And I'm like, fucking the students. Yeah, he's I a, ride a motorcycle. <laughs> he's, I on a motorcycle. He's a college professor because he never wanted to graduate from college. Right. And like, I don't mean that like he's a realistic guy yeah. who would be there with these people. Yep. And like all of these characters are people. You know, they they had um uh, Tony Todd. He's a very smart guy, but you can tell like he's always like bubbling under the surface. Like at one point, the psychiatrist makes fun of him for like, "Oh, you sound like a football coach." I'm like, no, that's who. The, like you meet this guy in college too. Is this guy who was like a really good athlete in high school and college, but is also smart enough to get his PhD. And like, I, I thought the characters were 
were realistic versions of who they might be. Yeah. Right. Well, and I loved uh, Edith, especially like yeah. even going into like the unnecessary like, yeah. Jesus <laughs> thing. Uh, I did love that moment of it. Like I love the emotion of that moment, yeah. despite not liking that particular story thread. Like I loved Edith's like realization of like what was coming and like how, yeah. like, she was, you know, like the religious, I want to say religious symbologist, but this is not, uh, uh, yeah. what's the movie? <laughs> Dan, Dan, whatever. Oh, it's not the, 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 uh, uh, the, the angels and demons. Yeah. This is not a Dan Brown story, but yeah, I felt like she was like the religious symbologist. Of but the like college she was, and, she was one but, who was impacted emotionally by what he was saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone else was like on the, yeah, this, on this academic level. Yeah. Strictly, it was all very cerebral. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, had this emotional moment of like her, her beliefs oh, had yeah. been like shattered. hit. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Hit and shattered. Right. Yeah. Like uh, there's one, one moment she says, um, how, how dare you com uh, compare paganism to the word of the truth? <laughs> very easily. Right. <laughs> but, 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 but like a Christian, like a really, a, con a, a, a conservative Christian who believes in, that would think that way and would talk that way. Like she was, I thought she was a fairly realistic version of the person she was playing. Yeah. Whether that person would have been there with the rest of these people is an open question. Well, if but she was like a religious studies professor. I think she's supposed to be like an then, art history professor. Oh, was she? okay. So that's the, what I got because she's introduced by, uh, looking the at Van, Van Gogh. Gogh and like oh that yeah, that's right. So yeah, and, then you know, that's a little shaky on, on that. Yeah. On whether or not she would have actually yeah. been with all of these, like, very, very These are all clinical, like, scientific like yeah, professors. scientific minds. Although there's yeah. one thing, just when we mentioned the Van Gogh, because I, I, I love this. It's really subtle. And if I don't bring it up now, we're going to. So he has this Van Gogh and he's just tossing it in the back of the truck loose. Um, huh. And, and well, the thing, I love this because it, on the one hand, like you think that's crazy. But on the other hand, like this guy, he hasn't been alive for 100 years. He hasn't been alive for 400 years. He's been alive for 14,000 years. Yeah. Nothing of any, like, this means nothing. Like, this thing will decay into dust. He has no, like, it, it's one of the things that, like, makes you think, like, what would it be like for this guy that this Van Gogh, yeah, he keeps it as long as he has it, but he, he will not possess anything for the rest of, like, nothing, no thing he has or ever will have or ever has had will be around long enough for him to have any emotional attachment to it anymore. So it, the more, I, at first, when I saw that, I was kind of jarred by it, but then I'm like, no. I found that realistic. This yeah. guy would just toss around a Van Gogh or anything like that because unless it's made of stone, well, it will not last. Well, that was the thing too, was they, they go into the spearhead. They yeah, talk about yeah. that for a while. And, you know, he says, you know, I just got it at Goodwill. Yeah. And at first you're kind of like, when he starts going into like his whole thing, you're like, oh no, that was probably like his, like he probably had that forever. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I really got that at a Goodwill. And it, like, when he explains it, you believe it because yeah. it makes sense well, that he like. He holds up a marker and says, if you were leaving this place, like, would you keep this? Yeah. What reason would you have for it? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> and they could have easily gone a different way with that. They could, the, a lazier writer would have said, no, he, this is a thing he had for 14,000 years. I like the fact it backs up the whole, like, I can't prove this to you. Yeah. He it openly admits like, no, this is, I got this at a, it was a garage. Well, yeah. And like you said, like not only will those things decay, but imagine how much you would have accumulated yeah. over 14,000 years. If you had that sentimental value yeah. to everything that you ever owned, like, and yeah, in all of our lives, I'm sure there's like, you know, something that we have that, you know, it's like, you know, we look back on and it's a memory that we yeah. have for, but when you get to be 14,000 yeah. years old, then it's like, 
first of all, those memories are either like fuzzy as hell, like he explains as well, or they're just like it would just be too much to yeah. carry. Right. I mean, we're we're all going to be lucky if we get a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I, 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 a lazier writer, or or a more expensive writer, I think would have done. Or you know. Oh yeah, it would have been flashbacks galore. It would have right. been like his whole house. We would have like some bunker yeah. that was just like a fucking whole another level of of, and all of sorts Cro-Magnon of artifacts and, and, and Highlander is like yeah, that. I was about like, to say this would have been an episode of Highlander the TV show. Right? And that's why I I find I I find this version of immortality to be more believable if yeah. that's the word then well like 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 the the whole setting is evident of that i yeah. mean it's just this little cabin you know yeah. like he's like 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 you said like if it was a lazier writer it would be like in this massive castle and he's like you know the original vampire you know yeah. he is dracula <laughs> you know i love the small setting it's it further this thing of this movie the, i can talk this movie <laughs> is like a really good one-act play yes yes I was, it, oh it, i wrote that so many times and, like, this is block like and a play the, the other thing i thought was like if this hadn't been made i think we would have all at least the three of us would have heard this as an episode of blacklist table reads and been like why is no one making this right yeah yeah so there's one line in there where that he talks about that the the psychiatrist I liked the interaction between the psychiatrist and John, but he, he, he's trying to needle him. He's trying to make him angry. And he yeah. says, like, wouldn't you feel more comfortable squatting in the backyard? He's like, and yeah, I, I love the sometimes. answer where he smiles and he says, he, he, first of all, like, it doesn't offend him, but he, he tells what is the true answer, which is sometimes I do. Yeah. yeah like for, you know, and, Just stare at the stars. Yeah. And I love I, I, the psychiatrist, not to change, but he, uh, he does one other line, which is the um, – which I didn't realize the first time I saw it, but now, like, where he says, um, oh, well, please continue. I'm sure you have more to say. Ladies and gentlemen, as a lawyer, <laughs> I have used that very technique many times as a lawyer interviewing somebody. Police use that. Um, military interrogators who I've known use that. Like, anytime you're in a conversation with somebody and they say, oh, please, I'm sure you have more to say, it means you're they're they're about to trap you in something. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, and I just I thought it was beautiful because it was it was exactly what a psychiatrist would do. It's it's this technique that you learn to get people to try and trip them up. Like, well, to get people like the the hard part, like both as a as a lawyer and you know in other less savory kind, like it's not about making people uncomfortable or scaring them. Right? It's about just getting them to talk. Right. And. All the psychiatrist is trying to do is just get him to talk. It doesn't matter what he says. He just wants him to say stuff. Um, and just when he started doing that, it was like kind of with my modern perspective on it, I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and, and the, 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 the psychiatrist is the one who was really doing a good job of trying to, and it works a little bit. Like he, he gets under, eventually with the talk of, you know, his father and like various children he's had who probably died you can tell it's the only time where you see John get uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's also why as much as like, I do understand that, that want of like kind of wanting it to be open ended at the end. Yeah. I really also do enjoy that moment of, I wouldn't say enjoy necessarily, but yeah. I appreciate that moment at the end where um, Sandy is like, ask him is like, is that the first time you've yes. seen one of your children die? And he's like, yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen like one of my own children die. And but and at the same time, he's not that broken up about. Oh it. no, no, because yeah. he's been for, alive for fourteen thousand years. He's seen so much death. 
that it just kind of and it's it's disturbing but it's brilliant that he's just kind of like he's bummed out by it right but he's it's not the reaction any of us would have no, oh no it's, yeah it's a reflection back to the conversation that they have about love you yes know? she's like i love you and he's like i, I you. know you do yeah he and literally like, says yeah, i know you do I, know, <laughs> I, know you, I can give you 10 years but yeah. we're, we're not gonna well, that, yeah. that line it's one of my favorite lines in all movies ever and it's 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 depressing it's chilling but he, he's he, she says do you even believe in love and he says I've gotten over it too many times. Right. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, like that really feels true in a horrifying way. And I think you're right. It ties into the death the same way, but just that, that line, I've gotten over it too many times. God, I'm 37 and I feel that way sometimes. (laughs) Um, uh, as the resident biologist, I have some biology. Oh, there we go. Rip on. Um, <laughs> the biologist gives up very quickly. Oh, I wrote that down too because he says I don't scar, and the biologist is like, "That's not possible." And then there's no follow up. Well, on that to part. be fair, like I, you're, I wrote that down in my notes, which is that's bullshit. I actually, you can see it right here. I wrote John Billingsley explanation of how he could live this long is bullshit. So is warp drive. So right. is artificial. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's sci-fi. To, to, to make sci-fi. this whole idea work, you have to just kind of like accept. I know. But you're absolutely right. Like yeah. that is that and the whole like the two things you need to suspend disbelief on are a, it's possible for something organic to live that long, and b not to scar. Well, right. yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is like within the fiction of the film, like yeah. how they explain it. I was I was okay with it where it's like oh no his cells have just like he like essentially like they never mutate they only, yeah. they always regenerate perfectly. Whereas, like, for humans, like, in general, like, our cells, like, whenever they're replenished, there's a risk of them mutating. And well, they don't decaying. even bring up t- telomeres, which is, like, the yeah. kind of... Well, yeah, yeah, you are, I, know, you are I know, utterly but, right that this is bullshit. Right. Uh, <laughs> but for the five no. portion of this right. sci-fi, I, know, I, I was okay with right. that explanation being, right. like... Okay, like, sure, you could, if you shot him in the heart and, like, it, like, immediately stopped his heart, he would stop. But if you, like, shot him and it, like, nicked him and, like, he was able to heal past yeah. it, then he wouldn't have the scars from it. Like, And he is I'm okay visibly afraid when confronted with the gun. Yeah. Right. Um, ooh. Ooh. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, now you, you talked about the gun. I really yeah. wanted to talk about this. Uh, Wilford Brimley is the, is the psychologist. He's not Wilford Brimley. It's Brimley. actually it's Richard, Brimley. Richard Brimley. Richard Brimley, who's an actor I actually rather like, he's, but he does kind of have a Wilford Brimley ish sort of But he shows up. He's the psychologist, and he's called in by Art. And, like, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's really weird because he threatens him twice with a gun. Once, it just like in his pocket. And well, it's like, it, you get the impression that it's his finger. It's his finger. But like the rest of the cabin reacts like it was a gun. Yeah. And they're all like, oh my god. Who the fuck did they invite to this cabin? <laughs> Were they like anticipating someone to come up with a gun? And they're like, oh, well, let's, ca- let's call that crazy Wilford Brimley. He might kill him. You know? say, like, I was not wild about the whole bit with the gun right because i didn't think it was in character with like i said everybody's a realistic version of who this person might be except for like that this guy would have a gun but with one like you got to give me this the shot when he when he gets the gun from the psychiatrist and flips it open open, towards the the camera the the best shot in the movie yeah yeah it's it's shot on a camcorder is awesome that's a beautiful shot and but I do have to say, like, just as as a former military officer, the worst muzzle discipline I've ever seen <laughs> in any movie in history of mankind. This guy's muzzle discipline is is just this. Is, it, ladies Can and gentlemen, I, anybody, 
if you're if you're thinking about ever using or being in the same room as a firearm, don't do anything you've seen in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also think that as the psychiatrist, you know, he's supposed to be like, you know, the put together guy. Yeah. But at the same time, he's also I feel like he's his also wife died. dealing with yeah. Yeah, his wife died and also, at the same time, we also have found out that obviously his father abandoned him. Yeah. Yep. And so. And this I guy resembles like, his father. Yeah. And so I feel like there's a lot of like, even in like the subtext of this movie, like that underlying current, he probably has like this like underlying animosity yeah. towards this guy who's saying that, oh, I get up and leave every 10 years. And he's like, oh, my dad left me when I was 10. Yeah. Oh, like my what, wife my just daddy? died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what the writer was was aiming for. I just it like it broke the character a little bit. Yeah. But that's what I feel I, I feel like I feel like that actually works towards the character because he he's trying to be this put together like, you know, like analytical person, but he's having all of these like emotional things that are like clouding his judgment and so I feel like that that actually works out a little you know, bit towards his character. I hadn't considered that that like in the course of he's being so methodical about trying to break John down that he may not have real he probably that he was getting upset himself the more he did that. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's what that's what I saw it as was he was actually the person that was getting more upset as yeah. he was digging deeper into John. He was he was trying to figure out like how this person can legitimately believe these things and then also at the same time wrestling with all of the emotional turmoil that he was going through. And so I felt like he was breaking a little bit more than he was actually trying to break John. Okay. See, I thought it played more up into um, just the thought puzzle that this movie is. Where, like, that disjunct of character development, like, it didn't matter to me. It was just, because it was just like, oh, here's this, here's the psychologist coming at him from a different angle. And he's, he's aggressive, he has a gun, he's like, he's trying to corner him and everything. But, um, it doesn't matter because you're, it's, it's played for the audience to think about this different angle. You know, because he brings up all this shit about relationships and it's like, oh, well, how'd you feel about that? You know, like, how'd you feel about in this situation? Why didn't you remember that? You know? But what the gun scene brings out between the psychiatrist and Tony Todd's character, I really enjoyed, which is the entire movie. Tony Todd is is probably my favorite character. Yeah, and but he's 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 clearly this guy. Oh, yeah, and he's he's so the impression I get of this character is a guy who is so smart that his brain is constantly outrunning his mouth, and you can kind of see his mouth trying to catch up, and he is very calm and just very subtle. But because like you really get the impression this is like a guy who like got his phd but was also like one of the starting linebackers for the like right. this is like a guy who knows how to like he know he knows how to turn on that physicality when he wants to and to watch him kind of like to this drags a part of him out that that i thought was really interesting to see and also to see the psychiatrist just completely see through it mm-hmm. that tony todd is getting up in a calculated way trying to like hey you have a you, you have a gun i'm a big guy i don't like what you're doing i'm gonna now turn that on and try to you know outmaneuver you this way and he just brushes him off in the line about oh shut up you sound like a football coach <laughs> the, the 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 both sides of that the tony todd kind of like bringing all aspects of his character to bear and the psychiatrist seeing completely through it and brushing it off that was the best part that came out of the gun that, <laughs> that and the shot of the empty oh, gun of the empty gun which is just a beautiful shot yeah, well really like good. i mean i don't disagree with the use of the gun like like, a, like i'm just saying like it's 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 useful to bring up these talking points. Like like I can't get over the fact that this movie it, it feels like a really good education piece. You know to just make you think about something that you've never thought about before. What would it be like if this person lived from the fucking Stone Age to yeah. now? 
and like like really think about it and look at all these different angles and that's why they use the, what the writers of, the of Highlander didn't do they didn't consider all the stuff uh, like all the stuff that like goes into this character what would he actually be like Highlander did not do that they just like Ooh, he's gonna be like the best fighter in the world. Yeah. He's gonna speak three million languages. Right. He's gonna know everything. Well, honestly, that was one of the things I had a little bit of a gripe with was like, why didn't he just speak any other language at any point in this movie? Like, he said that he's learned languages over time, and sure, he might have forgotten like some of them. But I mean, like, I would figure he'd probably still have a pretty good grasp on I, like German or French. I or don't Italian know. Or Spanish. I, I, there was a point at which I, I did. I went to Ecuador for two weeks. And I learned Spanish in like high school and I was never good at it. But after like two weeks in Ecuador, I was, I, I couldn't speak Spanish, but I could make myself understood. And I had a similar experience in Germany and Austria where like I could, after a couple of weeks, I could make myself understood. Try to hold a conversation with me in Spanish or German right now. I will not be able to do it because once you stop practicing, it really goes away. Well, yeah, but he also would have been like living in these places for, I mean, but going back, like if he was like making his way through Europe, he might have like moved from place to place around Europe for like, you know, 10 years at a time, but he probably still would have been in like, you know, places in Europe for like, you know, 30, 40 years. Or, yeah. And I mean, I'm, uh, it's it's a small little nitpicky thing, but I was just kind of like, why couldn't he just like say like, you just like speak a couple of other languages and like have yeah. that be like a little he, part of it. And I understand. He almost yeah. certainly speaks fluent Latin. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. this is a thousand <laughs> years. Oh, yeah. well, he's Jesus for crying out loud. Yeah. He's, yeah he's, <laughs> I was like, when he said that, when it, when it was like building up to that, I was just going to, I was just in my whole, my head in the whole time. I was just like thinking like, I'm Batman. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was, I was just trying really hard to bring up the Jesus part as little as possible. As, so, uh, as, much, well, as, I, as much as I agree with you guys that I, don't really like the Jesus part. The one thing I like about it is his interpretation of it, how he says, like, a guy met the Buddha and liked a lot of the stuff he had to say and tried to bring it to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, yeah. But it, it is a very, like, modern kind of, like, American well, suburban version of Buddhism yeah, that's and, not like yeah, And not, also, like, uh, the only way that you can justify a white Jesus, really. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it the line. The, the one part of the Jesus part I like where the line was is the joke about... um all the debate over Jesus. He was a Jew. He was a, he was black. He was this. <laughs> Turns out he's a caveman. I love that <laughs> yeah, line. That was good. That I was great. And, I, um, but, uh, sorry. And, and that line where, where like, yeah, oh. she asked like, how can you compare Christianity to paganism? And it's like, Actually, if you Very look at easily. it, like it's pretty easy. Christianity like, took a lot of stuff rip. from paganism. Oh yeah. Like, the, like, yeah, like, uh, God, I can go into, I can oh, the, go into the, the other line about where he comes that, back but, into the room and says, well, at least one prediction of the new millennium is right. Here you are again. <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> Two jokes that were really funny out yeah. of the Jesus part. Th there's a there's a lot of uh, quote unquote whitewashing that goes in, that's involved in the history that he like flushes out. Like yeah, like he's, I like, mean, he's they, living through European history. Yeah, as but far like as we I mean, know. it's even more nerfed though because we know more about the fact that like you know Columbus wasn't the end all be all of discovering that the Earth was round. You know that happened oh, no. like bazillion years ago. And, and but he mentions that. He yeah, he does. But then he says that like he says that you know once Columbus didn't fall off the edge or whatever, then we you know. And like that, that was actually the point where they realized that he's no longer telling a story. He's actually talking about himself. But yeah. he's like, well, I thought he was actually going to fall off. And so, like, to my point is that at this point, he's lived nearly a thousand years, right? Or no, nearly 10,000 years at this point. Yeah. He himself, just because of wandering around the earth 10,000 years and just observing shit and shadows and shit, he himself would figure out that the earth is, in fact, I, round. I don't, I mean, I don't know about that because. I mean, I think he phrased it really well where he says, like, you know, the Greeks, the Romans knew this, but the average person yeah. didn't know it. And unless you were 
Aristotle, unless you were somebody who was actively investigating this, I'm not so sure that because that's what I like. This is just a guy with one man's perspective at a time going through this. And unless for some reason he sat down and did the math, I don't know if he would have. Well, yeah. And that's the, yeah, I, I agree with you on that because he also goes back into that of again and again saying, I wouldn't know unless we had like the, and like I didn't know until the people came up with the terminology yeah. until the people uh, came okay. up with the science for these things. I had no idea like what I was processing, like what was going on. I have like vague recollections and like pictures, like and emotions stand out in my, t- in my mind from like certain periods of time. But I wouldn't have known, like I wouldn't have thought as a Cro-Magnon man to be like looking at my shadow as I was going across the Earth to determine that the the, the sun was the center of the universe as right. opposed but to you can imagine a human path that would go that way that you know he was he he just happened to be one of the assistants to to Copernicus, <laughs> but this guy's particular path didn't take him that way. Yeah. Um, like I think if this were Highlander, Highlander definitely would have well, you know, I calculated this because I was, I mean, but no, this is just a, just a dude. Yeah, you're right. Overruled. That's my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about the performances in this movie because I think Love like ninety percent of them are fantastic. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think almost every actor in this is great. I think John Billingsley, who plays uh, Harry, is. Going a little over the top. Well, a little, little bit. He's not, he's I'm a not third a good... degree black belt. Yeah, I was just like, a... I busted out laughing at no, that no, laugh. More, <laughs> that was... more than that, it's a bunch of his deliveries, especially ones where he's trying to like make a joke or something. He is a, he's yeah. not a good misogynist. Well, he's like, like yeah, his, no. well, he's his, the jokes like about the Jesus relief. were good, but yeah. He's trying to be like the comedic relief and like break the tension, and it just like comes off as more awkward than like the actual silence of the moment. I, I, I think moments. he was an actual college professor that they hired for this role. He cracks jokes like a college professor would. Oh, that, that's, 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 that's what he makes does. me want to get him a, just a little bit of slack about it is that on the one hand, like, yeah, it's super awkward, and he's terrible. Like, all of his jokes about like tantric yoga just made oh me God. cringe. <laughs> but at the same time, like, in a college, you meet guys yes, like that, you do. And, especially in the biology department. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know whether they were trying to make him funny, and because he did land the two jokes about Jesus were just straight up funny. Um, I don't know if they were trying to make him funny and failed, or if they tried to make him an awkward, not funny guy and, and totally succeeded. succeeded. I, no, I think I feel like they were trying to make him an awkward, like awkwardly funny, because. Like in every moment where he's like actually like pushing for the comedic moments, it's like all moments where like something really weird and awkward has just happened yeah. before, and he's trying to break the tension of the moment, but it happens in a really awkward way. Yeah. And I have very, very, very close personal experience to those types of moments where I'm just like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just gonna play the class clown and make everybody laugh right now. Hopefully, yeah, you guys. Are. And this, this same guy does pull off a lot of really good comedic elements in another thing. He's in an episode of The West Wing. Oh, he represents the cartographer organization for cartographers. Equality. One oh, of the right. best bits in the West Wing yep. history. And it is hilarious. That's right. There's this whole bit about like, okay, I understand general landmass size and everything, but you're telling me that Greenland isn't where I think it is? Nothing is where you think it is. Nothing is where you think it is. I was like, are you telling me the map is wrong? Like, oh dear, yes. (laughs) That is one of the funniest things in all West Wing history is the the organization of cartographers for social equality. (laughs) Uh, Um, Let's talk about art and Linda. Oh yeah. Art is the uh, soul patch. I want to be in college forever. Yeah. 
uh, archaeologist, which is a guy, guy you'll meet in college. Yeah, like, is he? and, and, and he's and dating the student Linda, who, who I is think Boba Leah Thompson. Yes, Boba <laughs> Leah Thompson. <It's, laughs> she's excellent because uh, the the part that they write for her is perfect because it's it's exactly what a student would behave and like respond with in this situation yeah. you know like being in the in a cabin with a whole bunch of professors like a whole bunch people, of people you admire really yeah. fucking smart you know and you're just like a student like if she says some shit that they miss you know entirely yeah. and it sums up in the line where oldman that's yep. a pun isn't it yep. yeah and like everyone else doesn't see it you know and she yeah. fucking points it out it's right at the end and the, the, it stutters him and he's like ooh you got yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> she, she tripped up the 14,000 year old. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I agree. I think, you know, you don't notice her very much, but um, she thinks outside the box. Well, yeah. She, well, yeah. No, she, yeah. She has, yeah. She has a couple of moments where, yeah, where she, I think there was like another moment where they're talking and she like says something and like puts it into like, you know, whatever like student 101 terms would be for like yeah. whatever class. And she rapports it. Well, yeah, and it's like, and it's actually like relevant. It actually like makes sense, and it's like, oh yeah, all of these like professors are like in their like high minded yeah. like you know their banter back and forth, and she just like brings it down to like this level of like where like the audience slash like any like you know freshman in college would understand it, and succinctly like yeah. summarizes what they're saying into like one sentence, and it's like. Oh yeah, you're fucking awesome. Thank yeah. you for that. And I think, like, I, I, maybe it's just me, but like, my reading from this character from the beginning was, you know, cre- creepy art can re- give her a ride on the motorcycle all he wants. She ain't never going for it. No. <laughs> no. I, mean, I, I think, I think they did her. I think she was well done. Yeah, yeah and yeah, because yeah, she could very easily have just been like the, yeah, the fawning, yeah. like the fawning like student, which she what played a little bit, like it, yeah, it was more she, like admiration because yeah. she's in a. Like honestly, like they're they're genius. Yeah. They're they're very intelligent people, and so it's understandable that she would be like have some sort of admiration for yeah. them. But oh. at the same time, she's she's nonplussed. Like right. she's yeah. not like, oh my god, I can't believe yeah, I'm she's not, not my She's not stupid. Oh. She's she's playing the part that she thinks is going to get her into the room. Because who, if you're a student, who wouldn't want to be in the room would, with yeah. this guy? I would act like the, the biggest yeah. idiot to just like hang out with the Supreme Court for a day. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, I, yeah, I think, and it would have been very easy for a lazier writer to just write her the way that you were you were talking about it, you know, to make her this kind of dumb, cutesy girl, and they didn't. No, yeah. Well, that's it. Jerome Bixby, um, may peace be upon him, didn't. Yeah, no. Um, um, all right, well, uh, it's this is a this is a unique episode because this, there's so much to fucking talk about. I oh, think yeah. we can make this like a two-parter because of just the material that we're covering. So, but uh, unfortunately, we're gonna have to start wrapping this up. Oh dear. Um, I do have a couple notes that I'd like to talk about. I have one, and I have no idea where this came from, but I did write nice save the cat. And if you could help me, what I'm talking about, save there's a the save cat. the cat moment in this movie. What? What are and you I talking can't about? Fucking remember what I wrote that down for. I have there's no, no cat. I, in the movie. No, there's no cat. No, he's ta- save the but cat is alien. A, a term in movies. Right. Um, I cannot imagine what you're talking about as a save the cat moment. Uh, it. I think he gave someone something or gave, Oh no, that's what it was. He, um, they, it, it was really weird where he gets a phone call from a student and like, he pulls oh, in Sandy. Right. Yes. And, and, uh, the, there's like a grade yeah, where it's like, is... get, she got D on the paper. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's like, the student is like, what's my grade? And he like lies to her. He's like, you passed. It's you're a worried C about plus. your parents. It's yeah. C plus. And then he says to his, his assistant or like his TA, like what does a pre-med need with history? Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a save the cat. Save moment. the cat, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> that is a save the cat moment. Okay. So that that's one mo- uh, note, and then uh, back to my uh, uh, biology uh, rage um, when he's talking about yes, yeah, survive some diseases, typhoid and the plague. Uh, he would also survive fucking malaria. <laughs> malaria kills like three hundred million people a year. Uh, he would have survived that shit every fucking year. Like, hold he on, been in like, Europe. Well, yeah, he was in Europe. He was in Europe for most of that. Because yeah, he got bubonic plague. Used to have malaria in Europe. Yes, that is true. There is strands of there's been strands of malaria all over this planet. There was there was malaria in the United States. But how widespread though? We'll get this shit. We but that's the thing. Again, again, we're going back to one man, one man. So he might he wasn't everywhere at once. He was in Mesopotamia, obviously. Uh, that's yeah, one point. Yeah. The dude got malaria Wait, no, at some point in his was life. Was he in Mesopotamia? Because that's... he was Jesus. No. uh... <laughs> <laughs> we all try to forget that he was Jesus. <laughs> okay, I mean, they did. They do mention like you know he he. They don't rule out, and this is a part of the thing I really like where they he, he they ask him like, "Have you ever met anybody else like you?" And he talks about like this other guy who he thought might have been, but he couldn't prove it to the other guy. The other guy couldn't prove it to him. Maybe there's a whole bunch of these guys, and ten of them did die of malaria. Mm. That's Maybe. as good as a save as I can make on this one. No, I, 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 I like got this, a good I like point. This, I like this. So malaria is the, the immortal, immortal Cro-Magnon killer. And from a biological perspective, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but like I, this is one of the reasons why no animal is immortal. Because you you have to, mortality allows you to, evolution to correct for diseases, right. as I understand. Yeah. And the big uh, drawback of if you had an animal that was immortal, and I remember reading about like uh, deloid rotifers, mm. um, the very small animals that live can live, but like the issue is you'll get a disease that can just wipe out the whole population because there's no genetic change. I don't know if I had a point, um, but well, maybe I feel that, like maybe, they cracked it open a little maybe bit. They high five okay, high five. Maybe they intentionally left malaria out for that reason. Right. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe they maybe they were actually like it's the Crow Magnon killer. End of story. Yeah, like, it's, it's killed a lot of people. He was, yeah, he was able to so escape it for for most so of his life for his entire life. It is so. the worst parasite. <laughs> it's really bad. So, the, the one I just need to—I know I mentioned it before—but I, I, I was so impressed with the lighting in this movie. It's a little thing, but it I like really is, yep. it sets the mood at the end where it's just them around the fire with the classical with music the playing. Yeah, and then oh, that when was beautiful. yeah, and it re- really sinks you into it. And the entire time they're like you're really simulating a sunset. And the mo- now that I know that they had such shitty cameras, I am so impressed with the lighting. And then when John, when the when um the the psychiatrist just flips the light on it just breaks it so harsh yeah and it's i the lighting in this it, like if i can the last thing i'm gonna say it the lighting is just really impressive i also love the whole fireplace thing yeah. where he, he talks about he says you know i've had a fireplace where, everywhere where I I've, lived. Yeah. I've had a fireplace and i'm like oh. that was just yeah one of those little one of those little touches like this movie is all about like those this, yeah. this movie is just like a slow build yep. of all of these little touches and all of these little minute moments that just build into this one great thing yeah and they do such a good job of that and i that's why i love like this movie i love arrival for that i love i love all of these like low-key movies europa report does that really well too where there's not this like crazy um you know we just finished talking about sunshine where in the second act they or in the third act they like totally flip it around and turn into a slasher movie yeah And, (laughs) and it's like it's like no like it's great. Like if you have a movie like where you can create this type of, you can create tension, you can create a, a storyline without you can a bad this character guy. development. Yeah. Without necessarily having a bad guy, without necessarily having it be 
um, without having to go over the top to create conflict. And you can create that conflict in such a subdued and intimate environment. Like, I love those movies so much. Yep. I love it. I agree. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more about Sunshine. It pissed me off. I, like, oh, like, you should oh, listen to our review. Because you're that's fighting all, the that's sun. All we do. Yeah, like, what like, more do you what need? Do you need? <laughs> yeah. No, we, we, we just got done we yelling about that. We just yelling about that for like a full hour. I, 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 <laughs> that's all we were saying. I will be yelling my agreements with you when I listen to it. I, yeah, no. We're all like, on the same page. There's no bad guy in this movie. No, no. It creates a tension in the mind. It's all inside everybody's mind. I know. And I wish there was like a. Like like I said, this that's why Waking Life is like the closest thing that like that that I can relate this movie to. I wish that there was more movies like this. I wish that there was a subgenre on Netflix where I can yeah. click on and be like, I want thought conversation movie, you know, because that's all it is. It's, there's no action, there's no fucking drama outside of just these mental exercises. You know, it's a philosophy movie. It's great. I love it. You brought up that this would like this would make a great play. I'm wondering why I no. Well, I know the reason why nobody puts play. on is the Jesus stuff. One, one of my yeah. last notes, um, but <laughs> I would love to see this America's on stage. not ready. Yeah, <laughs> if you would just like hack out the part about him being Jesus, this would make a great play to to see. You know, almost anywhere. Yep. I've just got three quick things. Um, one is statistics on this. It has an 8.0 on IMDb. Woohoo! Um, it doesn't have a tomatometer score because not enough critics have submitted reviews, but it has an 85% audience score. Excellent. On Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the gross of this movie was $200,000. <laughs> there is no uh, stats for the budget. If I had to guess, I would say 65 bucks and it gets charged <laughs> yeah. to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> um, it is entirely possible that all of these actors volunteered. Oh, that is I, entirely I, possible. Totally. Um, yeah. And also, they were so unworried about you know people seeing this or them being sued that they have unlicensed use of Heineken, Amstel Light, and Johnny Walker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my one last thing is I love the line at the end of the movie where Harry says, I'm going to go home and watch Star Trek for a dose of sanity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> clearly Trek, clearly right? not accidental. I yeah. love that. Yeah, no, no, that was, that was definitely a great reference. Um, I'm going to sign off by saying Dan is the best. He has a yo-yo. <laughs> no reason he just does yeah. Yeah. and it's great um but yeah that's uh that's our review of man from earth uh fucking excellent piece i, Thanks I almost again, want Matt. to do a follow-up episode I, on this because I there's think so we much can. to talk about. i have so much more that i'd like I to wrap about this if, if you do ha guys i really appreciate having you on if you do call me back i well, got more to talk like about a, too like a yearly movie it's like a time for a man of earth episode <laughs> <laughs> um all right well that wraps up our review thanks again matt for bringing this excellent piece thank to you us. guys for having yeah. me um uh, I guess we'll move on to any corrections and omissions that you can remember from uh, just a little bit from ago. Like an hour ago? Yeah, from when we recorded <laughs> Sunshine. Um, I don't have much to say except, um, oh, it should have ended with um, John Denver's uh, Sunshine on My Shoulders. Yes. Know, yeah, way in better than... Instead of whatever that rap right. rock, yeah! rock was. Yeah. 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 Oh, you <laughs> Since I wasn't here for that podcast, I would just like to second everybody in my hatred of the third act. <laughs> oh. I love the first two, like the first part of the movie, and then just like, oh god, why'd you do? This? Yeah, why? check it out. Like it's it's so bad that it like overrides our love for the movie. Like, yeah, I mean it doesn't over. I I love that movie, but it, in the review it kind of overrides. We talk about how much we don't like the last act so much that so we kind of neglect what we like about the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, which I just, I really love that movie. I recommend it. Just uh, turn it off after. Yeah, and, just once once we introduce like blurry blurry melty man. man. Yeah, just you can turn, turn the movie off. Right. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess we'll go into recommendations. Uh, Rickety Rick, 
rickety recommendations and matt um i'm sure you've heard this before we, uh, this is just where we recommend anything and everything that you anything that you're interested in um we just kind of recommend it uh i'll i'll start um i watched uh, the live action beauty of the beast recently and uh i never thought that i would um not because i'm just like against it or whatever this is not really in my interest and i love that movie i think that movie is excellent i promote it to anyone that's a fan of movie musicals go watch beauty and the beast it is a home run they uh they hit every demographic i can't think of a more um uh, balanced movie as far as cast goes uh i mean every everyone is represented in this movie and um it's just shot done really well it's beautiful that's my recommendation um Matt? Uh, if, if it's anything, um, the the book SPQR by Mary Beard, uh, a fairly comprehensive history of the Roman Empire. It's a nonfiction, but if you like that sort of thing, really, really well done. This woman, um, career researcher on the Roman Empire, knows it inside and out. I read it, absolutely loved it. Um, if you like that sort of thing, pick it up. SPQR by Mary Beard. Oh, shit. I might I get addicted to like Netflix series on history. Oh. Yeah. If you enter the Roman Empire at all, this is you okay. got to you got to read this book. You're going to ruin me. All right, Colin. <laughs> uh, we've had a bit of Star Trek talk today. If you want to hear some really fun Star Trek talk, there is a podcast called Star Trek: The Next Conversation. I've been enjoying. With, uh, I've heard about that with Matt Myra and Andrew Secundo, where they go uh, episode by episode through Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right now, it is them slogging their way through the first season, which is pr- pr- uh, below. The quality that the show rises to later. But it I makes the make podcast hilarious. But it makes the podcast really funny. All right, all right, they, I'll have to... they, they tear into the these episodes. I'll, I'll, I'll go back into TNG because like I couldn't make it. it the, the first season, it killed me. I'm, yeah, I'm a it, dead corpse in the middle of <laughs> season one. One thing I will recommend is listen to the podcast episodes first. Yes. Uh, just to see if you should even bother with that episode. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Cool. And I love Matt Myra. He's hilarious. Yeah, Matt Myra's really funny. So. All right. Greg? I will recommend <laughs> The Handmaid's Tale. I've been watching that on Hulu. Oh, I've heard good things. It is getting insanely good. Like, it is, yeah, I mean, it's one of those movie or one of those shows where, um, yeah, depending on your, like, religious perspective, you might not like it so much. <laughs> but I feel like in this group, we're probably pretty good. Because, uh, uh, yeah, it is very much an indictment on... on Make-believe stories to explain past events that they couldn't explain in the, like, current... Thing? Well, yeah, and how those also have like are still playing a role in how we treat like women and minorities and LGBT what are you talking community. about? We treat them equally. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's 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 a fantastic show, and I I cannot stop watching it, and I recommend it to everyone. Excellent. Watch The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu Wednesdays. New episodes every Wednesday. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. You're not the first one to recommend that to me. Um, cool. Well, uh, that closes out our rickety rec, rickety recommendations. <laughs> our excellent little theme song there. Um, and uh, we'll just go on to just a quick little just uh, weekly shout-outs that we do. Um, uh, as always, I'm shouting out uh, Mirror Fears. Find your music on bandcamp.mirrorfears.com. It's excellent. She's local. Excellent. Homebrew. Mirror Fears. <laughs> uh, also, uh, other do-it-yourself podcasts. I love the community that we're getting a lot of love from. Uh, movie pod squad you can find them on twitter hashtag movie pod squad or you can follow them on their handle at movie pod squad um anyone else got any shout outs anyone that doing anything creative that you know Local. shout out to your mom yeah she's awesome yeah, she's she really is. cool no, she's like a cool lady. She's a cool lady <laughs> yeah, she makes really good costumes um one thing does it count if it's in new york yeah sure oh, yeah. there is this thing i went uh, this, i'm sure we've got I've been like telling 
I've got two, like, yeah, I, I, I just did this a couple weeks ago and it just blew my mind. If you ever go to New York, go to something called Sleep No More. It is what they did is they bought a five story, like, hotel, uh, put all sorts of weird stuff in it, and then you walk through it and there's all about 12 characters enacting a silent version of Macbeth. Whoa. And you get to walk around and just like follow an individual character. You can't see the whole thing. So you just have to wander around, be in a certain part of the hotel as things are going on. You're, you wear a mask, so you're essentially invisible to the characters, but you are as close to them as I am to any of you right now. Whoa. I have never seen acting of this caliber because these guys are in, like this. intense. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're there's, it's, it's adult. There's yeah. nudity. <laughs> there's, sexual themes there's violence but like intense acting you are inches from the i never saw an actor break um now good actors are probably like you know just like grab one off the street in new york but still amazing and it's one of the things that you could go to it a dozen times and get a different experience every time because you can own much like um john oldman from the man from earth you can only <laughs> experience one part of the story as you're going through right. it so it's like a live action rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead a, a little bit yeah except like you get Whoa. to walk through i'm telling you <laughs> next time you go to new york go to the it blue it is probably the best live performance of any type i have ever experienced i feel like colin and i are both calculating how we can get out to new york as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. it, it's that so good so there's my shout out to sleep no more at the mckittrick hotel in new york new that york. might be our greatest freaking shout out that we've had <laughs> anyone else have anything to follow up that on nothing no because no. we are uncultured apes um, thank you to kelsey appleby for making me go see <laughs> All right. Well, um, cool. Well, I guess uh, that wraps up our episode. What is this? 26. Episode 26. Woohoo! Woo and that also wraps up our sci-fi block. Um, next up in our uh, our uh, uh, next block that we're going to be hitting up is going to be comedies. Um, varied. Uh, man, you do all kinds of shit with comedies. I know my pick. It's going to be Super Troopers. I don't know if it's going to be following this episode, but uh, definitely uh, watch it because that's going to be my pick. And we'll be going over it. <laughs> Um, so thanks again for listening to our uh, sci-fi block. Oh, uh, real quick, uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at IWITWT. Uh, you can also find all of our episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash IWITWT. And hey, join us on Facebook for some Facebook conversation. Uh, Facebook conversation. Yeah, we were just talking about Facebook. Yeah, lots. We don't talk <laughs> about movies. Yeah, we just talk about it's Facebook. Just about Facebook, right. the operations, like the new yeah. updates. Yeah, what, what uh, you feel about Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook Live, whatever. Uh, that's all on facebook.com forward slash IWITWT. Um, you can follow us individually on Twitter. You can follow me at the D-Bucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. You got an internet presence, I, man? I am, I am an old man, and I have no... No, it's I don't exist. It's not worth it. He's not on Twitter, guys. Joe, <laughs> not on Twitter. You guys, he's not on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks again. Um, oh, hey, uh, go on iTunes. Write us a review. You're listening this far. <laughs> Write us a nice review. It's the greatest way to grow our audience. Um, also, just talk about us. That's the greatest way... That's actually the greatest way to grow a podcast audience is word of mouth. Just tell any other movie fans. If you're going to a movie with someone and you listen to this podcast, be like, hey, listen to this podcast that's how you do it <laughs> all right uh thanks again and join us next week for our first iteration into the